Hello and welcome back to episode 42 of the Queen City Roundup. With you as always is your co-host Joey Kanji along with my other co-host Matthew Spaniolo. Yeah, I'm here. I'm doing stuff. Um, I actually have my co-host back. I had to do the last one, not solo with Gord, but I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Because Joey was currently, I guess you could say week to week. Huh, well, do I have a story for uh, for the listener of this podcast? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> basically, yeah, I was out week to week with uh, a flooded flooded house, I guess you could say. The basement was hit the worst. But, yeah, basically, I uh, had a water valve leak and my parents' washroom, which was upstairs on the third floor. And that went, trickled all the way down to the main floor and then all the way down to the basement as well. So, yeah, the house was a little upside down, but everything's good now. I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, like, you're literally just in a puddle. No, 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 no puddles anymore. So it's all good. We looked a lot worse than it actually was. So we're thankful for that. Yeah. Um. All right. So before we get into the meat of the show, um, follow us on the socials. Find us on Instagram at Queen City Roundup and on Twitter at Q underscore City Roundup. If you haven't done so already, go do that. And uh, there's a big elephant in. Well, not really an elephant in the room. But uh, this is the first episode since the NHL trade deadline. So we got a lot to break down for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's the first episode that I'm on, at least, uh, since the uh, since the Toronto Blue Jays season started. So we got some Leafs and Blue Jays talk to get to. And I figured we'd start with the, with the Maple Leafs trade deadline. Yeah. Um, I think... I'd say this is my favorite deadline ever. Yeah, the rest, the last couple deadlines for the Leafs have been kind of um, uh, uneventful. I think the last deadline trade in the last couple of years we made before this one was the it was the one for one with uh, where we got Nick Patan in exchange for Par Lindholm. So yeah, this deadline was definitely a lot more exciting. <laughs> Yeah, um, which one do you, do we want to start with? Uh... We'll go in order, I guess, of what the trades happening happened. So we'll start with on f- last Friday when the Leafs acquired um, Riley Nash from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a conditional seventh round pick. The condition on that pick is if Riley Nash plays twenty five percent of the Leafs playoff games, that changes to a sixth round pick. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on that trade first. Uh, yeah. Um, that one came out of nowhere just because, like, I think – I don't even remember, like, what game followed it. Um, but it was basically, like – I think it happened, like – it was, like, in the middle of the day, too. And I was just like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. Um – he was not one of the names that was linked to like being traded at all, which is what I thought was was most weird about it. Yeah, um, I guess. Well, like it was one of those things when, 
like you look at how the, the structures of trades work and you know you you wonder like okay what like there's got to be a higher meaning to this because like it was the same thing with the galchenyuk trade like it came out of nowhere mm-hmm. so you're kind of like i'm not sure what to think about this trade um well like now i obviously know <laughs> oh, okay because i was gonna say i really i really like this trade like it's a win-win for the Leafs like at that worst you're giving up a six-round pick and one of the weakest drafts ever for one of the for one like legitimately one of the best defensive forwards in the league and even if he doesn't play in a playoff game he served his purpose because he's on LTIR and gave the Leafs the cap space in order to get some of the other guys we'll talk about in a little bit so yeah this trade is a I'm, I'm a big fan of it I know that um Kyle Dubas is uh, <laughs> really good at manipulating the salary cap, which is stupid that you can manipulate it like the way uh, smart GMs know how to. Like at this point, just don't even have a salary cap. That's a story for another day. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, and also like you get a guy who's got some experience. Yeah, I'm a fan of it because like. The Leafs have, as we know, they they have enough offense. They have enough scoring talent. They'll put the puck in the net. And this year, they've been a lot better of it than the last few years, for sure, of keeping the puck out of the net. But come playoff time, like, if you can ice a guy like Nash on, like, your shutdown line, like, if you can do, like, a... uh, Like, if you put him on a third line with, like, Hyman and Felino, who we'll talk about later... That line's not gonna get scored on. You're you're up in a game by like a goal. That's your that's your go-to line to to keep the lead. Yeah. Um. Well, like I guess like when you look at it that way, like you could put them on the fourth line too if you really want. Yeah, but I don't know. We, well, we can talk about like how we think the roster is gonna look look after we we uh, talk about all the trades. But I think the fourth line is gonna be more of like uh like a uh one of those energy lines kind of thing that like I don't know how much they're produced, but I think what they expect out of their fourth line moving forward would just be to like um, keep the puck deep in the other team's zone and like maintain that cycle and maintain pressure. Um, not really much of a shutdown line, but you can slot him in anywhere. Like it's a, he's a versatile player. <laughs> and I think what it all comes down to is like I think once everybody is healthy and like past protocols and everything like that, then it was more so like uh, you know you could pick it, you could like plug and play of what works and what doesn't. Um, and I think that's really what good teams do and like what it reminded me of and our buddy well not buddy but Steve reminded me of this um was that like Tampa did the same two moves last year and nobody batted an eyelash at that like they traded a first rounder for Blake Coleman and it was like oh like that's like that's great that's a steal that's a no not really a steal but that's a good that's a good uh (laughs) it's a good trade everyone was saying yeah, and like like Barclay Goodrow for a first, like in in normal times, no way. Yeah, um, 
those are the moves you have to make sometimes when you want to make the uh when you want to do the thing right like and like anyways uh we're so i guess we moved on to the nick felino uh trade so uh so yeah so just to remind everyone toronto traded away a first round pick and a fourth round pick to the blue jackets the and then the blue jackets actually traded nick felino with to to the sharks and then the sharks gave us felino for the for the sorry it's a little confusing to to explain but the sharks gave felino to the leafs for a fourth round pick and basically they were just there to eat up some salary both of those teams ate up 25 ate up 25 percent so we are only paying 50 percent for nick felino not even technically no wait yeah, 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 yeah. 50% of his prorated salary to this point, but he has a cap hit of $1.3 million. And this would not have been possible to make, I don't think, if it was for the Riley Nash trade. So there you go. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where... It's one, it's one of those things where... I don't know, like, what to really think about it um you know I, I was against it but like now that I think about it and uh, I think now like it's kind of grown on me a little bit yeah like I don't know from the start I wasn't it was a bit of an overpay sure but like you're getting a good player in return. And like I said earlier, this like this draft is like gonna be like one of the weakest drafts in the last like decade. So and and it's not like the Leafs don't already have like their cabinets filled with like top end prospects already too. Like that's why like the like I think a lot of people are looking way too much into this first round pick. All they see is that it's a first round pick and they're just batting their eye at it just because they see that, but they're not taking into consideration the the talent level of this draft, which is not the greatest. Yeah, like because there's no draft. Like the CHL is not even happening. No, the CHL is happening. No, the, memor- the memorial. Well, the the memorial cup isn't. Yeah. Yeah. No memorial cup. Uh, the OHL hasn't even started yet, but it's like. Uh, uh, it's April now, mid-April basically, and there's no, and they still don't have have a plan. So I don't expect the OHL to come. And even even before all of this happened, um, uh, the talent level in this draft compared to the other drafts are just like it, it's it doesn't even compare. So yeah, that's why I don't mind giving up the first round pick especially for a player like Nick Felino, who I think will fit perfectly into this lineup like I mentioned earlier you can put him on a shutdown line you can move him into the top six if you need to he's played with Matthews in a world champion in a world championships before on his line so and in which Matthews led the team in scoring so like this is not it's 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 not a bad trade at all. Like I know, like there's a lot of people who are not a fan of it on the Twitter sphere, but I don't know. I really like it. It gives the Leafs exactly what they need. It gives them a little more edge to their game, a little more sandpaper, as some people like to call it, which is fine. 
um, which it can be overstated, I think, but it's something that I think every playoff team needs, and it just adds to their depth too. Like, I think every, I think there's uh, there's 31 teams in the NHL. I think all 31 teams would want Nick Foligno on their team if they can get it. So I don't know. I think it's a it's a really good trade. Yeah, um, I guess it's better than Taylor Hall. Um, you see, I tweeted this last night because everybody was all upset that all oh, Taylor Hall already got his. I believe he got like an assist last night or something with Boston. And like, oh, he already got his first point with the with the Leafs, and a bunch of Leafs fans are all upset. Like, oh, we should have got him. Like, cool, Taylor Hall. Like, I would have loved him on the Leafs too. Him playing with Matthews and Marner would have been sick. But at the end of the day. I think the Leafs needed more of what Nick Foligno brings than what Taylor Hall brings to the Leafs, if that makes sense. Yeah, because, like, you don't just need another offensive player. It would have been nice, don't get me wrong, but what do you need more of? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you, well, I don't know if they really need a penalty killer. They need power play help, but I don't know if they need a penalty killer, and Foligno does that. Hey, you know what? I don't think you can have too many penalty killers, right? Like it'll it it would take a load off of players like Matthews and Marner for that. And like I said earlier, you put them on a shutdown line with Riley Nash and like an Ilya Mikheyev, which that that line will not be getting scored on. And it takes a load off of the top two lines too, because you don't need to match them up with top competition. You can put the Matthews, you can put Matthews on against the other team's third line. What are they going to do? They're not going to stop that. <laughs> that puck is going to be in the Leaf zone all time. I think this is a a tremendous trade for the Leafs and will really help them do the do the thing. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where Felina, like I, I personally think he's going to be playing on the top line. I think well, he'll start top line, there. I think he's he's gonna be playing on the second line with Tavares and, and, and Nylander. I don't know if you take Galchenyuk out of there because I really liked what Galchenyuk like I've liked what I've seen out of him so far. So like I don't know. I think ideally he's on like the third line or something. I mean, yeah, like he's a third-line player. He's not going to make the money that he did. It's one of those things where a player signed a really, like, exorbitant deal, and you know that player's not going to be worth that in, like, three years. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, that's the the thing that Felino brings, right? Like, you can put him on the third line, or you can put him on the top line, or you can put him on the second line, or you can put him on the fourth line even, and, like, he will... He will do well in whatever role you put him in. So I think that I think that's another like really underrated aspect of this trade. Yeah, and I think like again, like And like it's one of those things where I think compared to like other trades that happen like leading up to and on deadline day, like your like first round picks when you're going for it, are they really worth it? 
Because like, and, and like, and what I mean by that is like the Leafs are like top three in the league. <laughs> Magic. They're beans. top three in the league. So if they even if they don't go far in the playoffs, their pick's gonna be in the twenties. Mm-hmm. Their pick is more than likely gonna be twenty eighth over that pick that they trade is more more than likely be twenty eighth overall or lower. It's gonna be between the twenty eighth to thirty two range. And like I keep saying, in a weak draft, who cares? All right. So, so that trade happened Sunday night. And a few hours later on Sunday night, this one also came out of nowhere, much like the Riley Nash one. Um, the Maple Leafs traded a third-round pick to Calgary for big save David Riddich. If there are not BSD shirts, I will be very upset. If there are no BSD shirts. <laughs> there should be. Um, yeah, so I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on, on, when you, on this trade? Um... You know, I think it's one of those things where I did, I wanted it to happen. I didn't think it was possible. And the fact that they did it, it was like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this is one of those, those things, like, especially with a goalie. It's like you don't need a goalie until you need a goalie. And, like, as great as, as Campbell has been, you can't bank on his health right now. And Anderson, I don't think, will be playing for the rest of the regular season. And what this does is it takes a load off of Campbell, right? You don't need to rely on him down the stretch as much anymore. You can just um, you can just rest him whenever you want. You don't need to worry about throwing points in the garbage because you had to put Hutch in net down the stretch. And you can, yeah, and like... Would you rather have arrested Campbell in the playoffs or a Campbell who had to play um, 15 of the last 17 games or whatever, especially given his injury history? Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where you look at um, – you, you look at – with like, I mean, ideally you look at both Riddick and Campbell. Career-wise, they're not starters because Campbell was obviously a late bloomer backup that kind of got thrusted into this starting role and Riddick was platooning but then more or less took on a backup role with uh, a team like like Calgary once they signed Markstrom. Um, I knew that Riddick was probably gone anyway. I didn't think they would trade him to the Leafs. Um, but I think it helped them out just because like they now have a goal they had a goalie that they could get right away because the team was already going to be going to Toronto. So like I feel like it was just kinda like a funny mm-hmm. trade. Well with the uh, example I keep on giving is like the new the Avalanche last year in the bubble. They had they just they literally ran out of goalies, right? And now I think the Leafs have positioned themselves where they don't need to deal with that situation happening to them potentially in the playoffs. Because now I think Anderson will be back for the playoffs and you have Campbell, you have Anderson, then you have Riddich, and then you have Hutch. And then like if you I'm sorry, but if you if you need to rely on Hutch in the playoffs then it's over. But um but yeah, they put themselves in a position now where they have that extra they have some breathing room in in the goalies, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think like 
considering that in an ideal situation, looking at the depth, like Hutchinson's back to number four, I think that's really what they wanted. They wanted, like, going into the season, they wanted Hutch at four, and they now have Hutch at four, and then you have Evelina at five, and then take your pick on Scott and uh, Wall to be, like, your six. You know what I mean? So... You know, that's what I think really is the idea. And I think, again, like for a third round pick, it was really nothing. Considering the circumstances. And again, it's one of those situations where, you know, you needed help in the spot that you needed and they got it. And it costs them literally, and, and people are like, "Oh, they don't have like they don't have picks for the next like two years." The goal is not to develop for the next two years. The goal is to be like you can, you can easily get some of those picks back too with a lot some of the um, some of the assets that they already have on the team that can get potentially traded away. Yeah, if if you still wanted to, like I don't think the Leafs are in like a dire need for draft picks right now, considering their prospect pool. Yeah. And clearly, like what what with what's happening right now, um, like it's it's one of those situations where, you know, they already they're loaded up. Like they have prospects for the next what three four years. Really, like they have two defense prospects in Sandine Liljegren. They still have Robertson. They just drafted Amirov. Um, they still have like. Then you've got you got the second tier of prospects, which is like you have Hoglander, who's reportedly NHL ready. There's just literally no room yeah, for him. You have SDA, um, Joey Anderson's a name that's not really a prospect, but he's definitely a name. They just signed a prospect out of college like a week ago. Yeah, you have you have Nick Abruzzes, you have uh, Mikhail Abranov, you got Roni Hirvinen, you've got. Like the, the list just goes on and on and on and on with these, with these prospects that the Leafs have that have like a lot of upside who look like they can be future NHLers. So, so yeah, the the fact that they have a lack of draft picks over the next two years is just, this is it, it's not something to be worried about. Yeah, and like uh, it's one of those things where again, if you're a contending team, do you worry about prospects? No, you worry about prospects when you're rebuilding. Exactly, the Leafs. That's why they're already loaded up because they did a good job at rebuilding uh, a few years back. But, uh, um, anyways, um, I guess now we're on to the minor deals. We talked about the the biggest three, I guess. Um, so then they got a. So the Maple Leafs also made a trade. This was um, in the last few minutes of the trade deadline. Uh, the Leafs traded a. A fifth round pick for to Anaheim for Ben Hutton, who's a left-handed shot defenseman, and uh, I can just sum this one up as being a yeah, just just defensive depth. Um, if I am going to criticize this trade at all. It's that I wish that they had they got depth on the right side just because after Bogosian you have Lilligren who I really like Lilligren. I just don't know about potentially if someone goes down, then you're just gonna have to throw him in, in a playoff in the playoff situation. 
So that's my only gripe about this trade, but I think the defensive depth is good, especially someone like Ben Hutton, who, I mean, this year hasn't been that great, but the last two years prior to this year has looked really good. Yeah. And, like, I think it's one of those things where you could also find, like, guys that are, like, stragglers. Yeah, like, I would have liked the Leafs to... I, I They apparently did make a waiver claim for Victor Mete, but he went to Ottawa, so just, like... It's just bad luck there, but but yeah, Mete. I think I think that's what the Leafs were banking on as like that depth piece for the defense. But who who would have been great? I I really like what Mete would bring. But uh, Ben Hutton is is really good too, and he's another penalty killer. So so there's that. Yeah, Ben Hutton's like another guy who is like. What's funny is that whenever. Um, Whenever like uh, everyone talks about Ben Hutton, they they talk about that uh, that infamous Barbie Girl video. <laughs> yeah, which is which is which is really good, by the way. Yeah, it's great. Like if you ever are down, just like watch that video. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Not really much else to say about that deal. Just a small little depth move, and. Another interesting one was another trade involving the Sharks. Uh, the Leafs sent Alexander Barabanov to San Jose for Anti Sumola. Sumola. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, just another. Uh, I believe he plays. Um, he's a centerman, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, just one of those things, right? Uh, well, whatever. He's a forward. I know that. Um, don't know why. I can't really find out what his position is. But anyways, um, it's it's more forward depth, which is never a bad thing heading into the playoffs. And one thing I do really like about this trade is this shows why the Leafs are such an attractive destination for these European free agents like what Barabanov was. Because, and we saw this too with Miko Lettinen, um, with uh like they'll bring these guys over assign them to a contract from europe and if it works out for them great if it doesn't dubis knows that he wants to maintain like a good relationship with and like be attractive to uh europeans trying to make it to the nhl so he'll go out of his way to give guys like barabano who maybe didn't work out here another chance on another team in the nhl like I said, we saw with Miko Lettinen when we traded him to the Blue Jackets, and um, and yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I like about it is um, Dubis giving uh, Baraban of a shot and maintaining that stance of being an attractive destination for those European free agents. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really kind of what the idea is like you you want everybody to come here right and i think that's what yeah if it works out great you got a spot on the team like like how it did with mikaya if it doesn't work we'll give you a shot somewhere else to still be an nhl and i think that's what many people realize and that's what it is with these european signings because you're coming in a situation where you know the the game in russia and the game in europe is completely different you're playing on smaller ice um, or larger ice, sorry. yeah, larger ice in Europe. You're playing on smaller ice in North America. You may not get the same amount of minutes that you would when you're in Russia, which we've seen with multiple people before. 
Um, but it, again, it's one of those things where you take that risk. And people always talk about taking calculated risk. This is a calculated risk in the form of, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take a gamble and go to North America not knowing my future and what my job or role or whatever is going to be. Um, and again, like it's, it's, it's something that I think you need to look at and realize like, okay, like obviously with Miko Lettinen, I wanted that to work out. But again, stuff doesn't work out. It's life, right? And I think it's what you need to understand is with life and with a lot of stuff, like there's a lot of like, and, and again, like it's not like to say like Bear Banoff won't come back. Like I'm sure Bear Banoff, if given the chance, he can come back here. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's really like it's that dire of a need. But but like yeah, like the yeah, what the Leafs are trying to do is like be that bridge for players from Europe to the, to come to come into the NHL. And if it works out for them in Toronto, great. If it doesn't, um, like I said earlier, they'll still make sure you have that shot at being an NHLer, which is why I think a lot of these uh, Russian players or a lot of these European players have signed here over the last few seasons. Yeah, because like if you look at like certain, like I mean, the Russian player that comes to mind for me is Vadim Shipachov, who signed here in Vegas for like what a cup of coffee, and then was like, "I want out," and they're like, "Cool." Um, like I said, it's a rough situation. It really is rough. And uh, I think, again, when you look at it this way, is, you know, with the way that things are right now, um, you know, there you, like, you can never have enough depth. And I think, and, and even like, not even when you're contending, you need depth. Depth wins you. I don't, I don't want to hear anybody being like, oh, like physicality wins you championships or goaltending wins. Like, no, you need everything. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning had to have give useful minutes to Luke Shen to win the Stanley Cup. Like, that just goes to show you, like, you need a deep-ass team to win the Stanley Cup. And what's Cup. also funny with that is I remember when Bogosian was, I don't want to say bought out, but when he was, like, let go from, from Buffalo, I was, like, I, in my head, floated the idea of, you know, the way that that things were, um, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, what's it? Uh, well, I had, I had my thought and I lost it. Shit. I hate that. <laughs> Do you need to come back to you? Yeah, come back to me. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say, but, uh, but yeah, I was gonna move on to uh, giving Dubas a, a a grade. So if you had to grade Dubas's performance at this trade deadline, what would you give it and why? Ooh, like a report card grade. B plus. And the reason why I say B plus is is not to say that that's bad at all. Like you addressed the three needs. You got a forward, you got a goal, and you got a defenseman. That's great. Um, but again, it's one of those things where it's not like people looking at you like, oh, slam dunk, they're going to win the cup, whatever. Like, no, he made the moves to make you competitive. 
and that's it. Like, I, it's a wait and see thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree with you around like A minus B B plus. Um, maybe give a B plus, just because like at the end of the day you still have to trade a first round pick, but it's not gonna come back and bite you in the ass at all. So at the end of the day, it's no biggie, and you address the th- and and you address all the needs. So, yeah, for the same reasons as you, um, B plus A minus, whichever one is fine with me. Uh, that's the trait. That's that's the grade I'll give him. Yeah, either or really. Like I don't think you can go really. Uh, I can't. I don't think you can go wrong with either or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to some some Blue Jays talk. Gladly. Um. This is well. I mean, I don't. I don't want to shade Gord, but uh, I mean, it was. I I wanted to go a little bit more on on the Jays last week, but uh, I'm glad. He's 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 a hockey yeah. guy. <laughs> um. But yeah, second in the AL East technically, as of right now, six and six. Um. I'll. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? I'll let I'll let I'll let you start. This team's where we expected it to be, right? And and keep in mind, they're six and six without George Springer. Like that's, and, and also like people are like, oh, like did you expect them to be six and six? No, I wanted them to be friggin' twelve and zero. You can't you you can't yeah. go undefeated in base. Like okay, unless you're the Dodgers and you go nine and two, which is ridiculous. Um, um, but like yeah, it, it's one of those things where given the circumstances and given everybody in the AL East, this is where you pencil in the team. So now, what's this Blue Jays team's record without Tanner Roark as a pitcher? Oh, it's over five hundred for sure. And and, and and also like you have to, you have to factor in two Ross Stripling starts, which were not ideal. Um, we'll we'll get hey, Robbie Ray's back at least. So getting back to health. yeah, well, I want to go about the pitching first because it's re- like and what's funny is that like people want to talk about like the hitting on this team. This hit this team is below average hitting. Like they own like top of the lineup is really what gets it done, and we saw it today with well I mean we're recording tonight but like we saw it with like Bichette, uh, Guerrero's hitting like a truck, Grichuk surprise oh shit I dropped like I did my mic fell over yeah <laughs> um, well like not fell over but like the setting came loose um but yeah like uh, those guys like are are hitting Semyon. I wouldn't put him in the leadoff spot, but hey, he's very he's been serviceable, so why not? I like him as the leadoff guy. He gets on base. He he's got some speed at the on the bases. I I, I like him. I that's he's just a placeholder for Springer, obviously. But for the time being, I, I like him there. Yeah, and like um, looking at I I think like I have. There's two names that I look at the roster and I'm like, why are you doing so bad? And they're both the five and six hitters in Biggio and Guriel. They've not had a good start. Yeah, um, Biggio has a glaring hole at the at the plate where like if a pitcher's just pitching outside to him, he's done. He's not gonna get a hit. And I feel like that the rest of the league has noticed that as well. And that's what they're doing to him. And I understand he's still young and stuff. He can improve, but man, you can't be having uh, you can't be having a hole that big in your in, in your offensive abilities. Yeah, um, and I think that's really kind of what happens here. And I mean, like, obviously, we're seeing guys like Telez is kind of heating up a little bit, which is great. 
um, because you don't want him slumping for a long time. Again, April, right? Like yeah, April you don't stats. you don't look they, they at April can... stats. To me, and and like you hear this all the time. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those things where you look you don't look at the stats in many people's eyes until June. Yeah, I'd agree. End of May, early June is when like they start to see what kind of season they're gonna put together. Yeah, and I think that's really what we're going to see in this situation. Like we're going to see like guys kind of piece together. Like you're, like you're figuring it out in April and May, more so April than May. Um, but like you know, it's one of those things. And also, like keep in mind, like the injury bug on this team is is piling up because um obviously like springer didn't start this year uh yet this year um teoscar hernandez is out with covid you lost your potential closer in kirby yates you don't have your current closer right now in juliet merriweather yeah merriweather was looking real good to start especially those first two saves he got at the start of the season he was like pitching lights out yeah, and which is which you know you still fantastic. like, and I the fact Yankee that you're steers. doing this without a lot of these guys in the lineup goes to show you how important depth is, and also and also like they're I think five and two against the Yankees this season. Springer will be really joining good. them on the road now for the next two series, so he's he's still going to oh, miss yeah, at least I another six absolutely games. Absolutely no sympathy at all. And keep in mind, again, this roster's not 100%. It's not going to be 100% for a while because, you know, you don't know. Yeah, so if you're... If if you're... If you're lucky, then, like, a Springer situation, like, you might get him back at the earliest when you go back home and and play the Nationals in your two-game set at the end of the month. KC series like, that's what, into one, the Boston two, three, series. That's there's like, a chance four, that they believe there's one more World Series after that. I'm not sure who it's against. Games that I don't have the schedule out in front of me right now. But uh, there's a chance that he'll be there for that World Series. But I know that he's going to be staying in Florida to work on some stuff for the next two series against Kansas City and Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tampa's down the road from where they're playing now, right? So that's why that's a decision you can make when the time comes. Yeah. And, I, like, maybe you get him back against Tampa. But, like, again, like, that's such, that's such an asterisk, mm-hmm. you know? Um, did you want to get into what I tweeted out from the – sorry, from what we tweeted out today? Yeah, and it's really – it's all those, tough. All those questions. You know, it's really tough. Sure. Yeah, so uh, we posted on the Twitter um, the following questions, which are who is the current uh, team MVP, who's the breakout candidate, who's the best pitcher, and who's the most disappointing. We did have one uh, person who did respond to what? Oh, somebody quote. Oh, somebody. Um, So basically, both said Vlad. 
both said Ryu as like he's well, played like what, out three games Vlad, and let's then, cut him some or break some slack yeah and then pitcher was Ryu most disappointing uh, one put Biggio the other put uh, Biggio Guriel and Teoscar Hernandez which I mean yeah yeah and I think, uh, like, again, like, like Hernandez really both sides of the situation. Um, you know, and I yeah. think, like, yeah, like, hitting, um, even then, so this year, it was only three or four. And Hernandez, again, like, second half of 2019 was so much better. And, like, you're going to have slow starts out of people all the time. Oh, okay. So it was a little more than I thought. But whatever. It He really hasn't had the time to, like, to like figure it out yet. So, like, I don't know. I, he's exempt from my um, disappointment list. Seven games. But I do agree with Biggio. He pointed out what he needs to work on already. Um, trying to hit those outside pitches. Not have such a glaring hole there. And we also... Um, I do agree with Guriel. I did expect a lot more from him, especially after his last season and a half. And I would... And um, Telez, too, is someone... Like, I know he's starting to pick it up now, but, like, he can't be starting 0 for 21 at the plate. Yeah, exactly, and it's one of those situations right now you could where make, give it time. I'm coming up with this question right now. You know, guys, the right guys will pick it up at the right time. I know what I'm going to say. You know, oh, you and, and again, like it's one of those situations you where could you don't know make what's going to happen as Shatkins right now. Shatkins called you and said, "Hey, Matthew, how's it going? Um, we're going to let you make." One move to help improve this team for the rest of the season. What's that move? So, like, ring, ring, ring. Shatkins is calling you right now. <laughs> All right. So First after, of all, I'd say, listen, you, huge fan. You um, I'm graduating in, like, a few weeks. Uh, I need a job. Can y'all, like, fly me down to, to Tampa? I'll, I'll quarantine, do the whole shebang. Like, give me, give me no, something, No, it doesn't have man. to be a trade. It um, could be any, but, any, uh, any form of roster decision. After we shoot, after we shoot the shit, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what um, I was going to say. I'll give you, like, Tanner Roark does not does belong on this team at all. I don't know why he's here. Oh, you already know where we're going with this. We're DFAing Tanner Rourke as soon as possible. And or to be to be different, I would personally say, um, excuse me, I would personally say move Ross Stripley to the bullpen. I like and I then like put a guy just like, because of his. Uh, I don't know, maybe Trent Thornton back oh, in the oh, rotation. Sorry, I like what I've seen out of him. Uh, guys aren't guy or even like Tommy Malone. Malone was a, a pitcher last year for the for the Roy or for, not for the Royals. 
don't know. I really yeah. liked how matches look so far, and to be honest. I think what's, that's one of the things where, uh, like, Anyways, I know you have a lot of rush. Back to apparently, Steven Matz is not pitching tomorrow. I would rather have an opener go that day so, and just have a bullpen day every five I, games than have to see Tanner Roar take yeah, the mound again. I don't know what they're doing with the rotation. This, I don't know if like, they're giving people Jay more rest or da-da-da, this, is that, whatever. I Should have been gone in the offseason. He proved that with his performance last season and it does not look like he's going to be any better this season and it's just like I don't know like the thing is with him is like in a five spot which he isn't even I'm pretty sure he was he's slotted into the four spot he's he's if he's there he's just like a replacement level innings eater but if he's on that's if he's on his game he's just replacement level if he's not on his game the guy's unusable like you're not even just for DFAing him like I don't like you don't even need to trade him just even just for DFAing him who cares let me put anyone else there his ceiling is a replacement level 4-5 guy Yeah, um, I don't know. I just don't understand it. I thought that he should have been. Yeah, exactly. That's one of those things where you uh, sign him to be. You didn't you, sign him to be good. I think last year was like now. a sign and of we got to kind of like move the ball rolling. And if faster. this is a team that is serious about contending, which their off season uh, tells me that they want to contend and have aspirations of contending. Tanner Rourke in your rotation is just getting in the way of that, and you need to solve that as soon as possible. Then, then get rid of him. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, and I think it's one of those situations where, like, I know, like, I know he said last year, like, he didn't want to go in the bull. He didn't want to go in the bullpen. He didn't want to do this or that. Yeah, like you, you need to, you need to realize, like, okay, like a player can only do so much. Mm-hmm. And like it's after that, you gotta be like okay, like there's there's on this there's team for some, much longer, or else you I'm can only have so it. much. It's, like it's ridiculous give, that give we have something like that players. costing us like, games hey, going out onto the direction. every fifth day. Uh, thank God his other game, his other start got rained out because I was not looking forward to that. Yeah, they were like, hey, uh, this team is a lot better when he's not pitching. So, uh... It's professional baseball. Yeah. Who cares? And I think that's what they th- when they took the time to realize it. You gotta win games figured- in, this, in, in this league. And if you have a guy who's actively not winning you any games... And like, and like it's, I don't it's care mean, how mean it but like you, you, have got, to, you gotta, gotta realize, something about like- it. Yeah, I know, and, and and it's tough. Like it's almost like Yeah, it's 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 really weird. It really really is weird. Um and I think it really just goes to show you that um there's just a whole lot of of things that are happening and 
like and and pro baseball probably more so than than any other sport like moves happen like so quickly like you're you're in the show one minute and then the next minute you're not in the show and like the the best example or like i don't want to say the best example but like is it like, talking stuff about can that change scene? on a dime and like when uh, to quote, after the game the best sports, on the radio the dancing and then billy b walked ball. into the room and like smashed when, a bat uh jeremy giambi was basically being a troublemaker and starting shit and all this other stuff like what happened what happened he, he, yeah, his lo- didn't he get DFA'd the next day or traded away? Yeah, and, and smashed the bat over the radio and then chucked it into the group of bats. And he's like, "Is losing fun?" Which is a, it's a good question. Is losing fun? I don't know. He got traded to Cleveland the next day. I'm pretty sure. I think it was Cleveland, which is, f- which is f- actually hold on. I got I got I got to Google Jeremy. I got to I got to fact check this. Uh, which I, I believe he ended up like getting arrested like a few times. It, it, it's after funny that. seeing those um, PEDs. So he, guys with the PEDs just oh, don't he was work. traded to the Phillies. <laughs> Pardon me, he was traded to the Phillies. Um, and yeah, he he was a he was a PED guy. He he was on he was on the Mitchell report. Um, yeah, and, and that's really kind of what, and again, like your, your, your stuff can change on a dime. Like it's, it's really, in, in it's really crazy. Um, how things, and like, yeah, it's one of those situations where unfortunately, as much as you may sympathize with the player, you got a job to do. And like, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't want to do something, but you feel like you have to do something. And it really is tough. You know, like it you can, really, really honestly, is tough. I'm telling you now, you can probably call someone up from AAA or AA to you know take and Rose again. Like it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta like be, look at the bigger picture. Worse. And like there are a lot of pitchers that are that are gonna be available. Like again, like the price tag is gonna. I think Manoa is going to get called up. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, I think, season. like, he's just when looking at, like, because, like, the Jays have so much depth. Like, they, they have well, K, no, I think they like, have, even like, before, uh, like, Pearson like, once I, he's ready. Being on uh, team I would love Manoa to call, get a call up, but I doubt that'll happen. Um, oh, end of the season for sure, because, like, that's when they do the September call up bull. No, I think mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, anything yeah. else about the Blue Jays you and want to hit on? again, that's one of those situations where, um, with the way that things are, you don't, I, got, you I don't know, it's just really tough. Have you door, how he looks without a beard? Because <laughs> now he's on the Yankees and had to shave that little goat um, beard that he had. I mean, that really is about it. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> he thought he was ugly before. Oh, wait till you see him, uh, without that beard. The beard, the beard hit a lot, let's just say. Anyways, uh, he's gonna rot away on the yeah. Yankees now, who like it, it, don't it, it, look it's a to tough be situation. Like the division winners that they were supposed to be. But, um, but yeah, uh, I believe that is all for today. Uh, not much Raptors stuff to talk about other than Gary Trent Jr. is becoming my favorite Raptors player. There's a really good story that I think I mentioned after like the day he was traded, but like it was literally like one of his best friends ended up becoming paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, I, I retweeted it 
um, it was a while ago. It was like when the trade happened, but basically, um, like one of his friends ended up getting into really bad, like, uh, I think he suffered a really bad, like head injury. And that led to like his nerves underneath his, his body really like he couldn't walk. And they were saying that like he couldn't walk again, but like they literally got to a point where he could literally like he could not walk but he could like move his legs and like he could like do exercises and stuff and he was literally helping him working out and it really goes to show you like how uh, it doesn't matter like what happens like that's a true friendship to me yeah just seems like an all-around good guy and like he i don't think he's gonna stop and like until every single raptors fan absolutely loves him you see he wore the he wore the j the the custom jays jersey with his with his name on the back he's wearing all the ovo merch like oh my god he's gonna if the fan base doesn't already adore him if there's anybody in the fan base that doesn't uh what are you doing make this guy your favorite player go buy his jersey i want to buy his jersey and yeah like he's he just seems like an absolute g and hell of a player too yeah, and that's exactly what I think, you know, the like you need a guy who's not only a good player, a good person. And I think they they got both. And he's and like you could give him like I think you could have more control over him cuz he's got like he's arbitration eligible and all this other stuff, so they're in a pretty good yeah. spot. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think the Raptors are fully embracing the tank right now because they are playing against the Spurs and are letting Kyle Lowry uh, sit out. So, yeah, just for a rest, which I don't know what the rest is for considering that this season is down the toilet. But, yeah, I just think they're fully embracing the tank, which is what I wanted them to do from when we first saw that this season was going to be flushed down the toilet. Yeah, it's 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 a wash. Like, forget the season even happened. Exactly. Go back next year, draft well, and I think they'll be right back on track. Yeah, and I think like it's one of those situations where, you know, you you, you take this one season as a write off, and then you just come back the next year like better, stronger, faster, better, whatever. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago when they didn't make the playoffs, but they friggin' almost did. That team couldn't go away. That team, if that game against the Penguins didn't happen, like we would have, we would have been in a different spot right now. I don't. Well, I mean, like I don't know. Like it's one of those things where it's like, do you wish like it happened? Do you wish it didn't happen? Like it's, 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 it's weird, man. It's really, yeah, really it's weird. weird. Uh, anyways, uh, I guess we've hit on everything for uh, for today. So. That'll be it. If you haven't already, go follow us on Twitter at Q underscore City Roundup. You'll see our personal Twitters in the bio there. Go follow us on Instagram at Queen City Roundup. And uh, yeah, any closing remarks, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's three sports going on at once now, which is pretty awesome. But I'm nervous because of the... Leafs news of there might be a potential Marley outbreak and Nick Robertson who played in the game last night was on the Marlies and uh oh SpaghettiOs it sounds like it's just precautionary but again, they're keeping like you, him out just to be safe but you never but, know because that was the same thing with Hernandez and then Hernandez tested positive 
Yeah. But yeah, but Hernandez didn't spread it to the rest of the team. So Yeah, but again, like you, ne- that. you, you so never that, know. That's the, yeah. Um yeah, hopefully that turns out well for the Leafs because we do not want a Vancouver Canucks situation. That seemed pretty scary. Uh, glad to hear that they're all doing okay now. but uh, And their families too. But uh, yeah. Um, we, I guess, uh, stay safe. Get your vaccine if it's your turn. Who, and, when, uh, when will it ever be our turn? Uh, apparently my postal code is a hot zone so I might be able to get it per- pretty soon. I mean, yeah, like, I'm not a hot zone, but... Yeah, just uh, forge a few documents and uh, I might get arrested, but at least we get the vaccine. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyways, guys, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Yes, sir.